From Independence Hall, on the campus of the National Guard Professional Education Center, this is the Leadership Minutes. Today's guest is Chief Warrant Officer 5, Teresa Dohmeyer, the Command Chief Warrant Officer of the Army National Guard. I'm Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. And now your host, the Commander of the Professional Education Center, Colonel Leland Blanchard. Okay, welcome to today's PEC podcast, where we explore some interesting topics and really endeavor to get after some leadership, uh, some mentorship, and really provide you uh, potentially insight with either uh, senior leaders or interesting uh, characters and personalities that are out there. Today, we're blessed to have a little bit of both. Uh, so we've got the seventh command chief uh, of the Army National Guard, uh, Teresa Domeyer. Uh, and so we go, we go back a little ways. So I say we, we, we have the opportunity, we're fortunate to have you with us today because you are both uh, a senior leader and you're one of those interesting uh, personalities <laughs> that uh, I really enjoy, uh, enjoy engaging and talking to because you're, you're not only an interesting, uh, you're not only an interesting leader, I think you're an interesting uh, person. And so uh, maybe we'll scratch a little bit about, uh, you know, your past and that sort of past. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. All right. So we'll make this easy. So start off, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you came from, traditional uh, tech. I mean, obviously, I know a little bit about you, uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself and, and tell us what you do as the command chief of the Army National Guard. So... I um, come from a big family of uh, five girls and five boys. And, so basically um, your parents had a squad plus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's interesting there is I'm the seventh child born on the seventh month and seventh day. Oh, wow. And now I'm the seventh command chief warrant officer. Look at that. Seven is your lucky number. It is my lucky All number. Right. But I am blessed with a family that has supported me in anything I wanted to do. Um, I uh, decided to try the military and I, I went to recruiting stations with the Army and the Marine Corps and was not impressed just because, you know, what the recruiter said to me back in 1982. Yeah. And um, so I heard about the National Guard and I decided to go and talk to one of the recruiters, which was a master sergeant female. And I just told her, you know, please tell me what basic training is going to be like. And um, so she told me, you know, if you're going to keep your hair, they're going to try and make you cut it. They're going to do this and play all these games with me. And I'm like, well, well I think I can take that. And uh, so, and I was physically fit anyway, coming from the farm. And um, so, and I played sports all through high school. Well, you said you were the seventh kid, so you were constantly competing for chow. I right? would, yes, I was also doing that, but I also had to play football with my brothers awesome. because I was born after four boys, and then there was a boy born oh, after me. Yeah. So, I mean, I was the tomboy. That's right. Um, nobody messed with me because if I couldn't take them down, my brothers would. You know, that's just how it was when you grew up. Sure. And um, so I decided I was going to join the military, and um, my mom and dad were like, oh, you don't want to do that. So I had my brother and um, my friend Connie take me to the airport because I was not going to see someone cry me leaving. 
So actually my first plane ride was going into basic training, South Carolina, which is really significant because Mr. Bish planned a trip for me to speak at a graduation in South Carolina on March 10th. And I never realized I was flying in on the 10th of March, the same day I flew in 38 years ago. So that was pretty, it was pretty awesome to have that. And I'm like, it couldn't have ever been planned that well. I was really, I was excited. And when we got off the plane, what was there? But a drill sergeant. And so I remembered (laughs) all that. And you know, it, it brought back a lot of memories and I, I wanted to find Tank Hill because I stayed in World War II barracks. Yeah. And um, they're gone. <laughs> they knocked them all down. There's a lot of people that are <laughs> thankful for that, by the way. <laughs> but um, it, it was a great visit. And I and I was able to talk to young NCOs at the postal school. And uh, they asked about how to become a warrant officer. So it was pretty cool. But I, so I came back after basic training and AIT went straight through five months at Fort Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I uh, decided I wanted to try and work in the guard. So by November of 1984, I became a technician. So I was a technician for 30 years. And uh, so I totally understand the technician program. And then um, I became, I actually was talked into applying to be the senior quartermaster warrant officer for the state. So I applied and I got it. Well then, so I was in a W-5 billet and I could get promoted. And they go, oh, you're in a W-5 billet. You you can apply to be the command chief. And I'm like, I'm not applying to be the command chief. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 just put in for it. Show that you're interested. So I put in for it. So I actually was the quartermaster for nine days. And then I became the state CCWO. Yeah. And, uh, but the military has been great to me. I, I truly love it. I love taking care of soldiers. Um, I was always wanting to be in supply. So I want to touch on, so you said something, you said two things that I think really stood out. And it's interesting because you said that the, you, you mentioned the support of your family and how important that was. But the other thing you mentioned was that first contact that you had with recruiters uh, that as you as you said didn't uh, didn't impress you, mm-hmm. right? I think that's uh, so. As leaders, I think sometimes we we kind of gloss over how important that family support is in what we do, particularly in the guard when we're talking about that dual uh, mission that we have, right? And so taking members out of the, out of the very communities that they live in mm-hmm. when there's a disaster, they're stepping up leaving their homes, leaving their families to serve the greater community. So that support of the family is vital uh, and certainly has played, uh, you're now the, the seventh command chief of the Army National Guard. But you can't do that without the support of your family. You can't. And then I wonder how many people are out there that, that might have had the support of their family and that first contact with some leader, or maybe it's not even the first contact, but just that that contact uh, with somebody that kind of turned them off or, or maybe wasn't viewed as an opportunity. And so how, how is that? So I had a brother, uh, my older brother, Tim, um, also born on July 7th, but a different year. Okay. So there's actually three of us in the family that are born on July 7th, but That's different an years. expensive birthday. 
<laughs> no, they could share one cake, oh, okay. so well, it wasn't good for me. <laughs> but um, he was a drill sergeant in the Army Reserves. And, you know, I would see him, but didn't think anything of it. And um, I had classmates that went through their junior year and didn't think a whole lot of that either. But, you know, the support that my family gave me and then my husband, it is so, I think that's the number one. And truly, General Conville, General Jensen, they're always talking about good leaders. We need caring leaders. We do not need any toxic leaders. And, and it's, it's so important to show that soldiers that we care about them. E1 to four-star general, take the time to talk to them. Don't just walk by them and say, good morning, how are you? And just keep on walking. Because sometimes I do. And, and I feel bad about it. Take the time to stop and really ask them, how are you doing? How is your day? Take a genuine interest. And, and so the other thing that I think, so when we talk about that support of our families and, and how quickly uh, you know, it can erode if, if, if we're not doing the right things as leaders. So even, even expanding on that a little bit, when those families are, are at the armory or when there's a, an event, a function, you know, leadership is not just about, hey, I'm going to take care of that soldier. It's about taking, care taking of family. an interest and in taking care of that family. Yes. And so, because yes, again, so you talk about all those years and, and so we know each other. Uh, I know that your husband has, you couldn't be doing what you're doing right now without his support. 100%. Right? 100%. Because, I mean, you know, he, he's making some sacrifices, made sacrifices along the way. And I believe a uh, retired police officer, right? 31 years as a police officer. And um, and I would not, taking this job as the command chief, um, I, I talked it over with him. Hey, if I get this job, you know, are you going to go to D.C. with me? Yeah. And he point blank said, heck no. Um, he was <laughs> not going to go to D.C. with me. And, um, and he has yet to come see me and it will be three years yeah. in July that I've been there, but I don't hold that against him. I mean, when I was in Nebraska, he took me to military balls. He, he came to dinners with me, but he comes from a family with a brother and a younger sister, uh, that his family was like 10 or 12 that we would do at the holidays. Right. Mine is 40 to 50. So that is a rude awakening yeah. coming from a small family, let alone when you go to a military function, you know everybody. That's right. And, and so my husband's like, you know, hey, you gonna leave me again and yeah. go talk to everybody? And, and I had lots of friends, general officers that would go up and talk to him and he would communicate with them, but he would, he would feel a little out of place. And I'm like, honey, you don't have to go there all the time. If you don't want to, I'm not going to make you go. Now but I loved awkward, it. Now, but think about how awkward it would have been for him and how painful uh, it really would have been. So he was willing to do that because there's that atmosphere, right? Yes. Imagine if those leaders had not engaged with him and given right. him the opportunity. 
we forget about that stuff and the impact it has. And it's, and it's important to include them. And so I always invited him. He even escorted one of my um, colonel friends and I to a cab ball just because she was, you know, going through a divorce. And so, you know, he doesn't mind doing that. But, you know, he, he made the comment, well, how would you like to go to a police party with me? And um, and I go off with my friends, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I'll know everybody before I leave because that's who I am. Who are, right? Because I love people. I, I love to try and help people. And, and so it's, you know, leaders that want to take the time to actually make a difference. And, and I truly believe that's what we have now at NGB. And, and I think it's important for everybody to know that we have leaders that truly care as you, you, I know you care. And that's how I connected with you right away because I knew you were there to do a job, not just do a job. You're putting 110% into it. And I know I could count on you if I needed someone to talk to. And, and I truly appreciated you being there because going to NGB from Nebraska is a little bit different, yeah. but, um, you are one of those leaders. No, so. I appreciate that. I, I'll tell you. So I, I think, I think for those who, who may be watching, uh, some of them are out there wondering, you know, where's that person for me? And so I always tell them, you know, so I, I was fortunate. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, and I've shared this before, but one of the most powerful moments for me as a junior leader was when I had a very toxic leader. And I had a, a senior NCO, I was a sergeant at the time, come up to me and say, you know, Sergeant Blanchard, you don't know how fortunate you are. I was like, fortunate? He said, you, 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 have a, you have a leader that you are learning a lot from. And I, Sergeant, are you, what are you smoking, right? <laughs> and, and he told me for the rest of your career, when you come to a, a tough decision or a hard choice, ask yourself, what would this, what would this guy do? And then you know what not to do for the rest of your career. Right? So I always tell people, if you feel like they're not out there, one, take, take some notes on what not to do. Mm -hmm. But more than that, then when you get a chance to mentor, when you get a chance to make a difference, don't wait on someone else to do it because you know what it felt like to be on the receiving end. And I think from, from your position, uh, as you're out and about and talking with people, because a lot of times you're, you're really addressing a lot of more senior people, but as you look at that, that maybe that junior NCO or that, that, that soldier that's thinking about, hey, do I wanna stay in the guard? Do I wanna transition out? If I stand, what do I wanna do? And so as, as you look at that, uh, again, talking about support from the family, mm -hmm. talking about just good leaders and the impact, what what insights or advice would you offer to people who are thinking, you know, I'm at a crossroads. What should I do, and why should they consider uh, becoming a warrant officer potentially? So, and I have mentored mentored several NCOs, and um, I uh, tell them if you want to make a difference in that career field, and you still want to work with the NCOs, the warrant officer is the best place to be, yeah. because you can make an impact on training or changing stuff and working with the NCOs, but advising the officers right. and giving them courses of action so they know that you're the technical expert and that you have their back. 
I preach to my, my junior warrant officers, my W1s and W2s, when you go to that unit after you've completed your basic course and, and you know that job, you need to partner up with the lieutenants and the captains, truly the ones that are traditional, because the full-time people sometimes had a bad habit of saying, ma'am, sir, I've got this. You just go sit over there. You don't do that. You include everybody on your team because that E3, E4, they can bring some important oh, absolutely. information and experience to the table. And experience not just be, just because they have, you know, maybe they, they're a Sergeant E5, mm-hmm. you know, in uniform. They may also be a captain of a police district. Right. Right. Or a precinct. Yes. Or yep. they, may, they may be a vice principal and they're dealing with a lot of those uh, challenges that we see with mm-hmm. that age group, right? So, yeah, I think leveraging those capabilities is, it's, if you're not finding what, what fits you right in that moment, it's not, change things up a little bit, but I think going warrant is a fantastic, particularly if, yeah, I got some leadership skills. I want to, it's a different role that, that I know as, uh, so I know as an O, uh, having that insight again, I, I bounced things off of you over mm-hmm. the last few years. Yep. Having that insight coming from a different perspective, uh, that's pretty powerful. So you can really change things. So when I was an E five and and started as a technician, I had a W four that um, I worked with, and he was truly um, a traditional W four food service warrant, and I did everything during the week for him because he. You know, he approved, you know, menu changes, approved whatever the meals were. And so I got really good at that. And uh, so watching him and then going to the field with him once in a while, I'm like, that's not too bad. And so he retired and... um, Opportunity. Yep. (laughs) He retired and I had been doing food service for almost... 10 years, 11 years. And, but I was, I had a supply MOS cause I was a 76 Yankee, 92 Yankee. And, um, I started off as a 71 Lima. I have four different MOSs and, and that's one thing. Um, I even talked to Sergeant Major of the army. I said, do your drill sergeants really tell their, their soldiers that they can only have one MOS? Cause that's wrong. And, and so that is the biggest thing when there's opportunity to mentor some of these young kids that you need to take that time. I was getting on a plane going home a couple months ago and I saw some soldiers in uniform and you know, I said hi to them and uh, but didn't, I wasn't in uniform. So I just kind of sat there and, and they called active duty and I got up and went up and walked in front of them. And then they got on after me and he says, excuse me, ma'am, I, I noticed you flashed your ID. And I'm like, oh no. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And he goes, can I ask you what rank you are? And I said, I'm a CW5. Oh, I am so sorry to bother you. And I mean, it was like, he thought, I didn't have time for him. Yeah. And in actuality, the purpose of our work, the focus of our work as leaders is the soldier. Yes. 
And so I, I told him he had gotten on the plane early. I'm like, sit down beside me. And so he sat by me. Well, you scared that, that young soldier. <laughs> so it was, so he knew I was a warrant officer and we talked about all, all sorts of things. And he wanted, um, to know about becoming a warrant officer. And I was telling him the different opportunities. And it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be an aviator or do you want to, you know, be a targeting warrant? And so he was coming back, back from, um, Fort Leonard Wood. And, uh, he said, ma'am, my drill sergeants lied to me because they told me could only have one MOS. And I'm like, no. And, you know, if you, if you pass the flight physicals or you can be an aviator, you know? And so, but what was so funny, cause he had two other friends that were in the back of the plane. Um, they, uh, they get off ahead of me and I go to the restroom. I come down to get my luggage and these three kids are all around around each other. And they're, they're saying, Oh yeah, I, I talked to this warrant officer. And, and so, they see me coming down there she is like and I'm like hi how you doing and the one perks up and he goes what kind of plane do you fly <laughs> so i kind of had to laugh and say there's more than just aviators right. in the warrant officer cohort right. and and so i had to explain to him there's 17 branches and and so it was it was kind of funny but it, so I got to tell you, every time I get on a plane like that and someone says, hey, what, what rank are you? I always turn I always turn and look at them and say, well, where, what rank do you think I am? And I kind of look at them and I, I get that look <laughs> of confusion that like, I'm just messing with you. I'm a colonel. And then they go. You know, yeah. You know, but uh, but I tell you, uh, you think about every young soldier, whether it's discipline, whether it's hope and dreams, when they leave basic training, when they leave AIT, everything is possible. Mm -hmm. You find very few young men and women who decide to do this, who kind of get out of AIT thinking, well, I'm, I'm really limited. What's, what impacts them is when other people put limitations on them or when they kind of usurp that dream or kind of, right? And so that, again, those that leadership, that first contact, that, that opportunity, uh, to, you, it's so powerful because that every, the first drill weekend, everybody's standing at, right? That, that private is standing at parade rest. Why? Because that's what the Army standard is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing to me when I see that same soldier six months later not doing those things, and then we'll pretend it was him or her. No, it was the leadership that allowed that to happen when that soldier gets out four or five years later because they're disenchanted, uh, that's, that's, that's a failure of leadership, in my opinion. I, I think so, and, and what really bothered me, even in the state, and when I, would, when I go out to visit um, possible candidates or, and see them in the armory floor on their phones, yeah. that really is discouraging because they should be part of a team trying to figure something out, you know, or working maintenance, it's you know. what they joined to do. Right. It's what they want to do. Yes. You don't want them sitting on the floor because they're bored. And that's why they get out. That's right. And, and leaders have to recognize that 
instead of go shut themselves in their, in their office. The good leaders, they'll get out and see that. How can we improve? What mentorship can we bring to the table to help them? A little plan so that when you show up on your own weekend, you're moving, right? And you're constantly just moving from thing to thing. And, and you know, I always say it's better to have soldiers going, wow, I, you know, I need, can we get like five minutes? As opposed to what you just described. Yep. Well, I guess I got another 20 minutes to play Candy Crush or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not an endorsement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? But... I'm, t I'm telling you that impact in, in so many ways that leaders can have. Let me let me ask you talking about impact. One of the challenges that I have seen, particularly when we talk about recruiting warrants, because for most minus uh, I think it's just aviation, but for the rest of the uh, 17 fields, I think they've got to have uh, some time and some experience, right, in order to make that transition. About that time that everybody knows that is my go-to non-commissioned officer. That's the that's when we're looking for them to make that transition over to the warrant officer corps. What would you say to those unit leaders who are reluctant to to encourage that jump? Maybe they're concerned that if this if this soldier who's doing an outstanding job and I can see them being a sergeant major or a first sergeant someday, uh, if they leave my organization you know, I'm taking a hit and they're, they're probably going to end up somewhere else as a warrant officer. Uh, what would you say to them or how, how would you define or describe a better approach? So, um, I developed a great relationship in Nebraska with the Sergeant major, the state Sergeant major, just like with Sergeant major Sampa, we team up and, um, we, we see soldiers there at the stop of the, because they can't go any higher in that unit as an E5 or E6. And there isn't very many promotion opportunities in whatever MOS that they're in. So you, you look at them and say, if you want to make a difference and you want to, you know, move to wherever the warrant officer position is, then this is what you need to look for. Set goals for yourself. And, and again, it's not always about the money, but you know, I also tell them, my wife thinks it's a lot about the money, <laughs> but I, I'm I just kidding. Baby, I love you. You know that, right? <laughs> but it, it, it's about being part of the team too. And, and trying to get these, um, NCO see that there's more opportunity out there for them. And, some of them, because you have to have six years of experience when you apply for any branch except aviation. You can go as an E4. But that six years of experience, they may not have the highest rank that they could be as an E5, so they may not have their NCOERs. But the proponents accept civilian leadership experience. They accept, you know, experience in the job. You know, if, if someone wanted to be a food service warrant and they ran a restaurant or they, they did sanitation courses, whatever, if you can prove to them that you've got this experience and you've got a supervisor that will write a letter for you, that helps get it. So if you're like, four years of in your brand or your as an NCO in your MOS 
and you want to be a quartermaster warrant and you run the supply warehouse somewhere on the civilian sector, that will give you experience. So these NCOs need to look at that too, because a lot of them don't know that. Yeah, I think so. That's a, that's interesting because, you know, leaders get so, uh, even the good ones, the great ones, you know, they're so focused that I think we can probably do better uh, organizationally of getting some of that word out, but, but, you know, there's only so much. And so, you know, again, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't realize that the civilian experience Now I know you and I talked uh, previously about some of the other military experiences Mm -hmm. in E4 or whatever, but so that's, that's a big deal. And I, and I would encourage leaders who may be watching, you are strengthening your organization and you're really helping those, those soldiers and their careers and ambitions. But that, that civilian experience piece, I'm going to take that back and, you know, maybe, maybe that's something we need to start talking about some of our courses here. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I think it's important and to team up with the Sergeant Major too, because I always would say to the Sergeant Major in Nebraska, I'd go, not everybody's going to be a Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major. And right. you know what? If we can keep these young NCOs, E5s, E6s to make it to W4 because you can do it. If we can keep them in serving because we are giving them more opportunities to do something they love, then let them, let leaders need to get their NCOs to set goals. Not everybody's going to make it. I mean, candidate school is not easy. It's still challenging. But candidate school, you can you can do it. We've got 26 uh, states that have RTI WCS programs, which is amazing. And we have two sites that they do phase one, and then we have two sites for phase two. I remember a little bit about that. Yeah, <laughs> because you were part of our accelerated course, which made history. And um, the Army Reserves graduated the most candidates they have ever done their entire career. I think that was 65 or that they graduated. And they were so happy. And Mr. Griffin still talks about you because of your leadership well, you were that. willing to do that so i, I that, and that that's a good that's a good segue because i wonder so that was an that was a challenge right and so that was kind of out there and i remember you you brought that uh, and we sat down uh, uh, with miss griffin and, and, and so we we had that conversation this was a challenge and i think out of challenges is where we can find some opportunities mm-hmm. so as as the the command chief what do you see I mean, are we still struggling at times, uh, you know, with some of the numbers or, or what are the challenges you see? So that was a challenge we faced a couple of years ago. What do you see for challenges in the next couple of years? And uh, what are those opportunities? So the director, um, General Jensen, uh, totally understands what the warrant officer brings to the table. And so, which is really refreshing because he understands the technical warrant and the aviation. But he supports, because I told him my goal was to get to 90% filled, you know, in the 54. You know, I think everybody should be at 90, 90%. 
He's like, okay, chief, I want everybody at 95%. And I'm like, oh, and so, <laughs> so you should have he said challenged me. <laughs> so he challenges me yeah. because we were at 80. <laughs> That's leadership. Yep. 82, 82.5 when I first got there and we're at 87. Awesome. 0.5. So, which is really good. That's um, great. But that's a huge. So people don't realize because at the same time, people are leaving. You know, it's not just about getting more people uh, on board because people are. So you got to retain yep. those, those quality folks, and particularly because you you said something earlier about six years. So people are already a third of the way through their career when they go to school to become a warrant. So they've got twenty. So you you know again as leaders you got to. You got to make it a climate in an environment where they want to stay. So as leaders with, um, I see the challenges with, you know, there's more, I had 12 years experience, you know, 12 years in, we usually get NCOs that have already done 20 years. So what we're having a problem with now is that they can't get retention bonuses because they do the combined time in the service and we're like, no, it needs to be the sure. time as a warrant officer. So we're trying to change that yeah. because That'd be great. for retention bonuses and trying to get them to stay in with PME, you know, we changed it that you only needed the basic course to make it to W3, yeah. but then you needed the advanced course to make it to W4 but you also needed WILE and WSSE before you could make W5. But that was a good, because we were trying to be equal with the active army and that's why we changed it to that. So that was a good one. Um, But when I go to these like Fort Lee and talk to warrant officers, some are W1s in the basic course and then I have follow on W, fours in their w-fives and boy when they bring up stuff from their state and how they feel if they're full-time technicians oh i get my ears full and then i come back and i tell the director hey sir and he knows that we have challenges before when i when i started back in 84 there there was like a dozen people that would apply for a job it's hard for states to get someone to take the mill tech, the technician, because we want the guard wants readiness. Right. So as in being a military tech, wear the uniform every day, but they don't get TRICARE sure. and they can't get bonuses. I had to pay my bonus back to become a full-time tech. Oh, wow. And so that's- Talk about it disincentive right right and so as leaders we need to try and figure out what will make people want to serve as long as i have you know i love i absolutely love the army and what the army has done for me and but it wasn't given to me sure and you have to work hard and you've got to do your job well you can't just have anything handed to you. But talk about, I mean, so that's, so you talked about how we've risen up to 87%, yep. right? And imagine what retention 
and recruiting will look like and conversion over to transition over to the warrant officer court if we can get that bonus if we can get some of these things i mean again opera so where i appreciate you pointing out because that's that is a significant challenge but at the same time we can just flip that switch that will be impactful and turn that challenge into an opportunity which which will be nice because there are some states that are at 110 percent 115 percent not some of their warrant officers but mainly even in recruiting and so i like to challenge those generals get your warrant officer cohort up to 100 percent I have a top 10 report, and um, I think I have 12 states that are in the green. And then the majority are in amber, and then you have red. And so, you know, like I, I tell my XO, Mr. Bish, we need to go visit these states. Yeah. It's a leadership, that, I mean, that's yeah. a leadership quality. Yes. You gotta go not where it's uh, comfortable sometimes. Right. You gotta go find where it's not so comfortable. Exactly. And have those tough conversations. And, and we do, we meet with the tags, we meet you know, with their leadership and, and talk about possible how to recruit you know, more warrant officers. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I often uh, get asked what makes a, what makes a, you know, a, a tremendous organization or, or high performing organization. And, and certainly it's the people. But it's funny how you really create that culture and people come in again, back to that, that new soldier who shows up, I'm supposed to stay in a parade rest or I'm supposed to be successful and, or, Hey, we're open uh, to those States. I imagine that many of those States that are in the green, as well as those that are in the red were the same States that were in those positions just a few years ago, because they have an organizational culture and climate where it is either encouraged or not necessarily encouraged to make that transition. That's a, uh, we won't, we won't say what those states' names are. No, uh, we will not. But you know who you are. Uh, well, well, we've been talking for a while. So I, I you know, as we, uh, as we look to, to wrap this up, uh, let me ask you this. This is one of my favorite questions to ask. <laughs> if you could go back and talk to yourself right around that, uh, that, that about that five year mark, right? As a warrant officer, what would you tell yourself or what advice would you either give yourself or do you wish would have been given? What, what do you think you would say, uh, particularly, and I want to throw this out there because you made a comment about, uh, when you talk to uh, recruiters at the very beginning, we lived in a very different world. We had a very different culture, uh, and being a female coming into uniform, uh, you know, honestly, it was just a different time. Uh, I'm glad we're where we are. I think we're better today for that diversity and that strength. Uh, what would you go back and tell yourself? That's always a that's yeah. always a trick question, right? So many things, <laughs> particularly lottery numbers, comes up a lot. <laughs> you Invest know, in Amazon. <laughs> I had a lot of great mentorship. Yeah. I wish that I, because I didn't have a lot of female um, hmm. mentorship when I was first in. And um, you have to seek those those uh, relationships. And and it's okay to have NCOs, warrant officers, 100%. or O-grades. I have all those mentorships. I did a lot of things um, on my own. I, 
I didn't want to burden anybody on yeah. stuff because I was full time, but I put in a lot of hours like you and truly to tell people you have to manage your personal life and your professional life and being physically fit is not just because of being in the military. You should do it for your life. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, I had a friend that hated to run and she could run, but when it was the PT test, she almost felt it, you know, and you had to work with her and she would call me every name in the book when I would pace her. <laughs> but to try and get people motivated or to motivate themselves, I never had that problem on, you know, wanting to do the best I could. Yeah. But I, you need to seek a little, you know, set goals higher because I never believed I would be a W-5. I would have been happy to retire as a W-4. But once I seen those opportunities, I I wanted to take them. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, telling myself I just needed to, you know, education and you need to um, do your PME, take your college courses because I dove in to always supporting the military. And and so now I'm like, well, I got all these college credits, but no degree yet. It's like, get out there and take the opportunity to get your degree. And I'm still gonna use my my GI Bill when right. I get out of the military. Well, I'll tell you what, that is that is great uh, advice to, to younger, uh, to young soldiers at all levels, mm -hmm. uh, at your, whether you're officer enlisted, warrant, uh, you never know the opportunities that passed you up because you weren't ready. So jumping in, getting that PME done, right? So you, you, you said, well, once I hit W4, but if you got to wait on all that PME now, maybe those opportunities in time pass. Uh, so that's, that's, that's yeah. good advice. Do not, do not delay. And it, because it's important to listen to your mentorship, but also get out there and do your PME and, and make sure that you take time to do your college courses too. Biggest surprise of your career. Let me ask you that. That I got this job. <laughs> I, you know, I, I knew you were going to say that. By yeah, the way. And, uh, truly because, you know, competing for it, I knew three fourths of the people. And any of them, I would have cheered them on because that's what you should do. Oh, and and warrant officers, that's lesson. one thing that warrant officers are good about is we take care of each other. It We don't try and, well, there might be, you know, some that do it, but for the majority, we help each other. No matter what your branch, you're, you know, that you are in, and we support each other. Sure. You know, if we know that, you know, there's a personnel warrant and you have to get your records right or get them straight, you know who you can call and contact. Or if, like I was food service, and if I needed to, if I wanted to create a SOP on something, 
I would call all my different food service warrants. And it's not because I was only one in the state. Oh, yeah. I would have to go with all 54. And you create, you know, that, um, what do you want to say? The network. Network. Yeah. Networking between all branches is very, very important. And, and I think that's where warrant officers, um, we're there to pat each other on the back. We're not competing for like your colonel or you being a GO. You, there's a lot of people that would cheer you on. And then there's other people that would make stuff up just to make you look bad, you which is, you are. <laughs> which is really, and it's terrible because we shouldn't be that way. Cause we are family. Yeah, no, that's, 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 so, yeah, absolutely. Well, I got to tell you, so, so I truly appreciate you taking some time today. So, I mean, you covered a lot of great things. You talked about mentorship, you talked about family support, you talked about a lot of the fundamentals of leadership. I mean, just even the networking piece and building relationships and knowing your peers, a lot of good stuff here today. So I really appreciate it. Uh, just thank you so much for, for coming by and spending time with us today. I, I truly appreciate your invitation and um, I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not always happy to do things like this because <laughs> sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable, but one thing that we need to get out to people, it's, it's okay if you need help too. If you are having problems at home and, and you're thinking of hurting yourself, you're not weak. You are not weak if you reach out to get help. We have, the guard has had too many suicides. And I actually last year talked to a NCO that um, they, this state had just lost a, a um, master sergeant. And they were shocked because this guy was squared away, but he, he was caught in a bad thing. And so he was probably gonna get divorced and relationships you should not in your life because the relationships gone bad and and so it's it's important for people to know it's okay to reach out to get help and so it's just a waste but i talked to this young nco and he said you know ma'am about a year ago i was that soldier he goes, I, I was going to take my life. And I said, okay, what was it that made you stop and think? He says, I finally realized how it was going to affect my family, how it was going to affect the people that I loved. And then I thought I need help. So he actually went and got help. Great. But great. I did have some states that, they they did reach out and get help for these individuals and they were not going to let them become warrant officers and i fought for them and their packets have been approved that's great so you need to understand just be you're not weak because you reach out like that so people care oh 100 percent. and and the military has all sources to help you and I think that, that helping you in your leadership and helping get push across the line that those packets, that's a step towards 
getting rid of that stigma. Yes. That if I if I yes, seek sir. help, that there's still going to be implications. And so I appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate you doing that. And so I, I'll just tell the audience, and we often uh, close with me telling you how important uh, what you do for the nation and your communities is. So let me just end today by saying you, you and your families, you are important. You are the purpose of our work. You are not bothering a leader. Any, I'll just say this. If you're a leader who doesn't have time for your soldiers, you A, you're not a leader, and B, you need to leave our formation. Now, I get it. Uh, I'm just a colonel uh, somewhere, you know, talking, but hit the door. You're important. Every soldier out there has value, great value. Let us know. Reach out and let us know how we can help you. Appreciate what you do for our communities and our nation. Uh, just hang in there and uh, God bless.